Welcome to the Beer and a Movie podcast, a podcast where we combine two of the greatest art forms known to humanity, beer and movies, sometimes achieving outstanding pairings and other times giving ourselves the opportunity to wash the terrible taste of failure from our mouths. <laughs> this is David Gurney, and I'm here with Joe Hilliard and Carlos Cooper. And today we're meeting up to talk about the newest installment of the Star Wars franchise, well, within the Star Wars universe. That's Solo, a Star Wars story. Um, and obviously it's hard to talk about just one movie in, the, uh, in that franchise, but we're gonna make an attempt to start with that and then kind of segue into maybe some broader talk about Star Wars. But as we always do, we're gonna kick things off with our beverage of choice. And the first one for this episode is actually a local mm. option from, uh, from one of our breweries here in Corpus Christi, Texas, where we record. And that brewery is Psy Brewery, P-S-I. That's a Greek letter. Yeah. Yes, somebody yeah. help me yeah. underground. Mm -hmm. um, and they have only been brewing for a short period of time, not even a year yet, right? Yeah, like six months or something? Yeah, and they're kind of, uh, they're cornering the market on that juicy, hazy IPA thing. But this is kind of a, a new attempt of theirs to put something out that's a little bit outside their comfort zone. This is uh, their take on a traditional British pub ale, and they call it Doughboy. So I'm gonna give that a pour if you guys wanna take a look at that. Um, more clarity than we tend to have with their beers, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, you definitely. Know, definitely. Yeah. Um, kind of a nice, oh, I don't know. Well, they relied on that hazy IPA format for, yeah. for about, what, 12 to 14 releases. Yeah. They're, yeah. they're doing them quick, they're doing them fast, they're selling them out, and then they move to the next one. Right. So, yeah, this one, they've been real um, hazy. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they're good at it. Mm -hmm. they, they, yeah. If it's, you know, if it's not broke, don't fix it. When There's nothing <laughs> when you broken get, about what they're doing. Yeah, but then you get into the notion of, of the brewer wanting to expand and try new right. horizons. Well, yes. and I think that's smart. I mean, these mm -hmm. things like the juicy, and we've talked a little bit about this. We had a hazy IPA on an earlier episode. And, uh, you know, I think the thing with that is we see these trends, right, where there, there are these moments where a certain style mm -hmm. tends to Emerge. dominate the market. And right now it seems like, you know, the hazy IPAs yep. are doing that in, in, yeah. in a large sense. However, those crazes tend to die down. and right. then they, So I think it's smart for a brewer to diversify to mm -hmm. some extent. And I always like it when they, you know, fold in an option that's maybe something that's a, a throwback to an older style here. So I guess that's kind of where I saw the tie in here. This is maybe a little bit of a throwback, whereas, you know, we've, we've seen this uh, attempt to throw back to this old franchise to resuscitate it over the last few years or to kind of turn it into a bigger um, money-making phenomenon. And also the fact that our main character in the film um, enlists in, in the Navy, the Imperial Navy. But let's, let's, so let's kind of segue into talking about Star Wars uh, story here, the, the solo film. Um, you know, obviously with these standalone a Star Wars story films, anybody who's familiar, these kind of take uh, usually some kind of event or set of characters from the Star Wars, the established Star Wars universe, and kind of draw out and give them some more backstory, some more understanding of where they came from. And so that does this, as the title of the film would indicate, with the character Han Solo, who we all know, or many of us know, from the original trilogy, starting back in the 70s, going into the early 80s. Here, this movie puts that character front and center, right. although has a younger actor portraying him, as it makes sense, given that it's a story that takes place before mm -hmm. those uh, original Star Wars stories, where we have Alden Ehrenreich playing a young Han Solo, I just uh, want to congratulate you for being able to say that name properly. Oh, thank you. Because I have not, as of yet, been able to pull off such a feat. <laughs> maybe maybe at the end of the episode, depending on how inebriated we are, we can have the Aaron Reich challenge. Where we're just <laughs> but uh, starting off on the sort of uh, really, I don't know, how would you describe it? Like just a terribly crime-ridden planet, uh, Corellia that uh, he, he's sort of orphaned on and he's being used as many of the orphans on this planet for, as kind of like slave labor and is trying to find his way off with uh, a woman who he seems to love named Kira. 
um, desperately trying to escape, is able to get himself off the planet, but not Kira. And so that kind of becomes at least one of the first quests of the film is his attempt to try to get back to Kira, back to Corellia, and, uh, and make that right, that escape that didn't go right the first time. Um, things do get kind of segued, but, it, but anyhow, he uh, enlists in the Imperial Navy to get off the planet, goes off, um, becomes a warrior, but is not very good at that, and uh, shows a lot of those kind of typical Han Solo roguish characteristics, and we see him play out through a series of kind of missions that he gets pulled into by this uh, other set of marauders, and, and that gives you a general sense. And, and we see a lot of the key character relationships around Han Solo, well, in particular with Chewbacca, get formed in some early way in this film. So that, that gives us a little sense here of, of what the film is, and, and I think it's a big enough release that most people probably have a sense of what it is anyway. But guys, what, what, do, we, what do we think about this one? Well, to go back to the, well, actually, to go back to everything that you just said, I will say that the execution of like establishing the hero's journey kind of storyline and figuring out who he is, what he wants, all that kind of stuff, you know, done very well. But everything that happens on that first planet is legit terrible. Like it's <laughs> some of it is a masterclass in bad acting and uh -huh. and it doesn't really start to get that good until after in my opinion until after you meet cuz even when you meet Chewie, it's I mean, it's pretty obvious what's about to happen, and it's just kind of one of those things like, uh, okay, hmm. this is how, yeah, I guess, okay, fine. And that, but then after that, I think it, it gets good. Um, but I, I, I think I, it was good, it was fun, it was entertaining, it was a good summer blockbuster popcorn action movie, but I think that there is only one person in that movie who you can say gave a good performance. Paul Bettany? Yeah, Paul Bettany. Yeah, you I bet mean, your ass, Paul Bettany. He, he, he stood out to me. He but acts I, the shit out of that role, man. <laughs> he kills it. I don't know. I, what, what did you think, Joe? Well, you? I'd, I'd say two roles because, I mean, Chewbacca did a fine job. <laughs> <laughs> you know? But do you even know who was in the Chewbacca suit this I, time? Chewbacca I, did a fine job, but the rest of the Wookiees did not. Somebody really cut corners on those on those Wookiee costumes. Yeah, uh, you think so? Oh, man, some of them I wasn't were noticing bad. Yeah, huh. Some of them were real bad. It was wet. It was weird to see a wet Chewbacca. I it will was tell you that. Very, <laughs> uh, yeah, it was very uncomfortable. Okay. <laughs> uh, I thought, as Carlos said, for a summer blockbuster, pay ten, twelve bucks, and and get out of the heat for a little while and enjoy yourself for an hour and a half, two hours. It was fine. It was absolutely fine. Hmm. Does it add to, or subtract from, or create more, or follow in the footsteps of what we hope and love and dream about for Star Wars? But I don't think anything can at this point. I mean, to be honest with you, I, hmm. but we might, you know, yeah, go into that. But, but the movie was fine. The most popular character in Star Wars, the original, is Harrison Ford. Yeah, is 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 Arguably, is Han Solo. Uh, mm -hmm. you know, he's just a badass from the first time you see him on the screen. So if you're going to bring an unknown actor, and I know this guy's got credits, but if you're going to bring an unknown actor into Han Solo, you better leave the theater going, yep, that was Han Solo. Yep, that I need to pay attention to that actor. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, this guy was yeah. fine. That's a, that's a tough he, It's very tough. order. It's very tough, but it's also a big order to place on, a, on any filmmaker. I want you to take the most popular character mm -hmm. from the most popular franchise and show him as a young yeah. man. How, yeah. how did he get where he is today? Right. And they did some cool stuff, and we saw the Millennium Falcon. Yeah. You know. I, I don't know. Yep. So, <laughs> that's I accurate. Think, I, I think I like the film more than both of you in, in, a, in a general sense. The, I did not put as much pressure, I think, in my mind on that character having to achieve what Harrison Ford had because it's a younger version. So to me, it makes sense that this maybe isn't quite as suave and uh, cool and collected a version of Han Solo as we have in those other films that we've seen. Um, this is Han Solo cutting his teeth. He doesn't come across with as much confidence and strength and wherewithal. That kind of makes sense. I mean, he's just kind of coming into his character. So the evolution from the earlier part of the film where it felt a little bit like he was forcing himself into this kind of character, it made sense because this is a young kid, essentially. I mean, he's like supposed to be, what, a teenager as the film starts? Is that? It's hard to say. I was I, I was kind of pegging him late teens. That, that's, yeah. I was saying like a 19, 20 year old. Anyhow, right. the idea that this is a guy who's trying to pop 
posture as this thing that he will eventually become. And then as the film goes on, I do feel like at a certain point I stopped thinking about that comparison and I just kind of bought him as the character, especially once he started interacting with Lando Calrissian, mm -hmm. who I, I think that's another performance that I really enjoyed out of the film, I Donald Glover. I enjoyed the yeah, performance. Yeah, so I am a huge Donald Glover fan. I know you are. Front to back, every, pretty much all, his entire career except for his stand-up special I didn't particularly enjoy, but I, I thought that he was, uh, not at his best. Is that right? Yeah, he was he, he was doing a you know, somewhat unfortunate Billy D Williams impression the whole time. Hmm. And at at sometimes I think that you know, he might have forgotten that's what he was supposed to be doing and those were the best moments of it, but when he's like, "Oh no, I need to sound like Billy D Williams. I need to act like Billy D Williams acting like Lando Calrissian." Mm -hmm. And if he I don't care if they sound alike or anything like that, like the voice, because the voice he's doing is kind of strange, but I didn't think he was terrible. Mm -hmm. But now, so I went into the film with very low expectations, but that doesn't ever change my expectations for Donald Glover because it's a high bar that he's set for literally everything he's ever done. Mm -hmm. uh, and yeah, so I, I definitely didn't think he was at his best, but I, I don't think he had great material. Yeah, I think that's another thing too. And I, one thing that you mentioned, David, mm -hmm. about how you started to kind of forget about the comparison and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. now, that now, that is something that I uh, also experienced, not necessarily with the comparison, but with that first 10 or 15 minutes on Carillion, right? Is that yeah. the planet? Um, especially when Han and Amelia Clark's character, Kira, right, yeah. um, are, are talking. Uh, it's very, it made me, I felt like I was watching a high school stage production that had a lot of money thrown at it. Uh, <laughs> a lot of money. Yeah, yeah a lot of money, because yeah. it seemed like that every time they were doing a take that was just like an over the shoulder of whichever character talking and like this scenes of dialogue they exchanged, it seemed like everyone on set was really quiet and then the director went, okay, line and <laughs> and then they would they would just say the line and then pause for a little bit longer and it it was like it had that very kind of like line now line now okay, right. you know just like saying the words but not really it was i don't know but as soon as they get off of that planet and as soon as han meets the group of marauders when mm -hmm. woody when woody harrelson yeah. shows up somehow woody harrelson comes in and saves the day something i never thought i would say <laughs> but once that starts happening then you know, the train high sequence mm -hmm. is going on and that was awesome and mm -hmm. like so well done. And once once you really have bought into it at that, I, that was where the, it turned for me, the train high. So I was like, okay, yeah, this is badass. And then right. after that, I totally forgot that I watched movies in a critical way and thought about them and was just like, this is cool. And yeah. just rode the rest of the movie out like, hell yeah, this yeah, is Yeah, I mean, badass. they're going to give you and uh, with with the Avenger films and everything, you know, with what they what they're delivering, they're going to give you great, cool things to look at. But what's missing in these films is the ability to shock and awe us anymore. Yes, I agree. And one, I I was always a really big advocate of Rogue One as a film. I thought that it was probably for me top three in the Star Wars universe franchise mm -hmm. all, all time. Mm -hmm. I thought it was. Brilliant, and one thing that I was really impressed by was that we all knew how it was gonna end, yet it still kept our interest the entire time. And Solo also lived up to that kind of uh, bar that Rogue One set. And I think, the, I think the thing that becomes enjoyable about it is not necessarily like, oh, this is, this is the thing from the other thing, and like, mm -hmm. well, you know, all that kind of thing, but we know he's gonna do the Kessel Run in 12 parsecs. Not mm -hmm. that that's like a real thing that anybody would say because the whole parsec thing drives me nuts. Um, but we know that that's that he is going to do that. Uh -huh. And so when it's happening and you're like, there's no way he's going to do that. It's, it's, <laughs> it's more of just like, a, I'm really interested to see how the writers pulled this off. Right, right. What is going to happen that's going to make this seemingly unaccomplishable task be accomplished by, you know, our protagonist or whatever. Right. And so for me, at a certain point, that was where it got really compelling. Mm -hmm. And then when I, the only shock and awe that I've experienced in these major 
intellectual property kind of spin-off things, um, you know, whether it be MCU or whether it's this or what, was a particular cameo that was made at the very end of the film. Uh, disclaimer, spoilers are ahead. <laughs> I'm going to say that because I feel like this is something I would have definitely been furious about had somebody spoiled for me, so I'm not going to do that for somebody else, but Darth Maul shows up, yeah. and if I had been watching that at home and not in a theater for the first time, I would have went, oh shit, it's that dude! I would have yelled <laughs> super loud because, yeah. I, I mean, he's always been one of my favorite characters, I mean, in large part because... You know, I was so young when right, the movie came right. out, and I remember watching it and not being able to understand that it was a bad movie, and mm -hmm. seeing that dude and being like, "Oh man, this is there's two there's two on the two lightsabers on the in the one thing what?" Yeah, and I was like yeah. freaking out. So whenever, and I've always thought that because he survives that Phantom Menace ending where he gets split in half, he survives and goes on to do other things mm -hmm. in the like comics and in the cartoons and stuff. And I've always thought, I want to know. I want to know everything else about that guy. What was yeah. he doing before Phantom Menace? What did he do right. afterwards? You know, and then he has a he has a brother that looks the same as him, but he's yellow instead of red. And like, what what's going on with that dude? Yeah, you know, and yeah. I guess I could have figured that out if I read all the books and right. stuff. But I want to see it in a movie because that's way cooler. Yeah, no, I, th I think that's um, I think it's fun. Again, as I was saying when I was kind of introing that, it's fun to see these characters that you know in these different contexts meeting for the first time. I, I really, like, I gotta say, I, I so enjoyed seeing, and I know that obviously our, our perspectives on, uh, on Lando are different <laughs> in this film, but I loved them coming together, the card game. Their back and forth was great. The, yeah, the, the, the exchanges between them. I loved seeing Chewbacca, you know, for the first time and, the, and them coming together. I loved him being on the Millennium Falcon for the first time. I did too. I enjoyed him the learning the ship and... Right, yeah, right. Fun. These things that yeah. you all, like, were just parts of his mm -hmm. character, the Han Solo character in those other films. Right. You're seeing those, like, well, of course, there would have been a first time that these things yeah. happened. There are little tricks. There are little things that they do that make the movie more fun yeah, and, yeah but but then there are tricks that they use that i think decrease its value as an as a uh, this is going in the pantheon right the way the original well, trilogy. Think, uh, quickly sure, say, the, yeah. the little hanging dice yeah as a device yeah. that we're going to hold on to in our pocket for the day that maybe we see that special person and then we can slip them into their hand whenever they need them at the very last second and then give them the inspiration i hate those devices they're mm. so overused mm -hmm. and it's just it's cheap cheap storytelling mm. cheap cheap storytelling uh, with the backdrop of multi-million CGI gorgeousness. Mm -hmm. And so, it's like I said, I, to me, it's like there's a formula for these films in 2018 uh, where if we give them five great scenes, five great uh, uh, set pieces, yeah. and uh, 17 good jokes, we can get our money back because the property... And I feel like they just kind of did that here. Well, we, we might even talk about the troubled production and uh, the, oh, yeah. uh, a director being replaced. Well, Joe, that gets us... right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think we probably uh, should segue into mm -hmm. thinking about, like, this film is a story, and it's, and it's an enjoyable thing. And I do think what I'm hearing here is, like, we all feel like this is a film you can go to in the summer and kind of enjoy yourself, but it's also a film within a particular franchise that because of the expectations for those are based on those earlier films has certain kinds of standards that need to be met and certain kinds of expectations. Um, and by all accounts, this film did not meet those expectations, right? right? They, they followed formula in many ways and yet the formula didn't deliver. So yeah. I don't know. Carlos, you have thoughts on that? Uh, you know, I was kind of surprised to see the box office numbers, but one thing that I did want to say before we totally got out of talking about the film itself, sure. uh, just because Joe mentioning the uh, beautiful CGI backdrop that we got, and for me, one of the most like kind of awe moments where I was like, "Man, that is, that's really cool," right. uh, was the yacht, the pan down mm -hmm. where you see, and I and that was also kind of how I ended up coming to the conclusion that the Wookiee costumes were terrible because I was talking to somebody that. I had seen the movie with right after, and I was like, man, that scene was so cool. Like, all of that detail in mm -hmm. that, you know, spacecraft or whatever, they just let you marvel at it for a second, you know? And, and I was like, somebody really spent a lot of time designing that 
particular piece. And my friend looks at me and he says, you know what they didn't spend a lot of time on? Those stupid Wookiee costumes. And then I started thinking back <laughs> on it and I was like, yeah, those kind of suck. But yeah, that was that was a particular piece that I, I thought was really good that I felt was worth mentioning. Yeah. Um, but to go back to you know what you kicked it over for, I, I was surprised to see that the numbers didn't do well. I mean, would I, would I have gone to see it in the theater had we not decided to talk about it on this podcast? Probably not. What have, what I have that reg- surprises me. Would I have regretted it when I watched it at home? For sure. Hmm. Um, well, I, it did surprise me a little bit, but part of that is that the bar was pretty low for me. So, so Carlos, can you sort of pinpoint what it is that made this feel like, because you have gone to see the other, right? You went to see Rogue One, you went to see Last yes. Jedi. You went well, to see, Last Jedi is the reason I wasn't going to go. Okay, all right. Because <laughs> so I hated that movie. Your experience with the most recent of the, the new trilogy yeah. was the reason. Yeah, so... Um, is that like in, as part of the analysis of why Solo didn't do well is maybe people shared Carlos's opinion differently than the other films that the last one they gave us was maybe n- I don't want to see this next one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I so think that, that might that have and I and I some of the trailers were I, I don't know. I I remember seeing the Solo trailer for the first time and thinking like, eh. yeah, you know, uh, <laughs> when they gave us the trailer for 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 number seven. Oh, I mean. And here's Harrison Ford and Chewbacca. Mm-hmm. Let's get home. Well, I can't even remember what he said. I know. He said, let's, let's go, go home. home. Yeah. Uh, you yeah. go, shit. It's, oh, yeah. it's, so, it's Han Solo. <laughs> they Tears. didn't give us a trailer. Tears. They didn't give us a trailer for Solo. They didn't give us well, a trailer I mean, for Solo that said, that, that showed that we were going to see something really special. Yeah, but right. we knew we were going to see, like I said, CGI and, and there's Chewbacca's going to be in it. That's cool. Yeah. yeah, well, I think that's a tough thing to achieve with a film that's trying to go backwards in story time mm-hmm. with these characters that we know and show them at these early points. I mean, th- there was something about the kind of emotional resonance of The Force Awakens where it had been such a long stretch and by many accounts, right, there had been this trilogy that, you know, Carlos was mentioning earlier being his one of the formative experiences. And I think he's not, I mean, obviously most of his generation had that experience of seeing those films and that being kind of their early impression. But for a lot of people more of our generation, Joe, um, the Generation X crowd, we saw those early films and then saw that later trilogy around the late 90s, early 2000s, and were kind of what? This is what Star Wars has turned into? This is like they're letting George Lucas do this? And it, it, now we're kind of getting into to deeper Star Wars stuff. Yeah. But then to have this trailer <laughs> where it's like, oh, we're seeing these characters come back. We had lost those characters, right? I mean, like we, yeah. we, we had taken away these ones that we loved. We They got replaced with some that we really didn't care for at all. Others that we maybe, you know, Obi-Wan, I would mm-hmm. say, kind of worked out. But the, but there were others that that didn't. Anakin Skywalker. Uh, and <laughs> <Poor> then, <kid. laughs> and then, But then we come into this, you know, situation where, oh, my God, we're going to get to see Harrison Ford, Carrie Fisher, uh, Mark Hamill. We're, we're going to see these actors portraying these characters that we know so well and we and and they're going to be aged and we're going to see them what they would be like years in the future and what's unfolded since then i mean that's an emotional kind of i mean it's not just nostalgia it's like this you know we're back you know they, they, uh-huh. that's the kind of and you can't recapture that i don't think like there's any way to do to redo this like 30 year gap of experience with these characters and somehow bring it back. I mean, there's never going to be another moment where it's going to feel as satisfying as at least just the indication that, oh, this is coming. Like But, the force but you also, though, you can't. They've changed the game with the yearly release strategy because it's giving us much more Star Wars than we've been used to in the previous 30 years. Mm-hmm. But as far as Solo goes, I did want to point out, and, and, and it's a good time to point out, like, like my philosophy of filmmaking is that box office is moot. Mm-hmm. That, that that your personal experience is all that matters. So if I go to Solo and have an amazing time, yeah. and then you tell me, you media, that Solo is failing because it didn't get to this dollar point on some kind of chart, yeah. I don't care about that. The issue that, uh, that, that we equate quality, uh, go to see this movie, not because it's great, but because this is the one this weekend that everyone is supposed to go see this so that we can contribute to this ongoing 
consumerism that's driving success. Right. The issue that Disney has is that every single Star Wars film, I think prior to this one, set some record for this or that weekend. And this one underperformed so much in what they are expecting. Mm -hmm. But it's also, and this might have been where you were going, the first standalone origin story that we're getting. Yeah, yeah, right. It is. So how are we as a culture going to react to that? Right, right. Do we really just want to see the continuation of the original story and not see these? Mm-hmm. I don't think that to be true because if they had given a better trailer that was going to show that that the mm. actor they had chosen, I'm I'm stuck on this. Yeah. This to me would have should have been a slam dunk. Should yeah, have been. For it sure. should have been a slam dunk because the coolest character in Star Wars is getting his own origin. Right. Film. Yeah. Why did it fail? That's what I'm really curious. Fail. Fail again according to some box yeah. office chart, which well, I, I think we put way too much emphasis on. And Joe, I, I definitely agree with you on the this isn't the metric that I use to try to um, describe whether a film is a failure or a success mm-hmm. in, in terms of you know my appreciation mm-hmm. of it. Mm-hmm. But in terms of are we going to see more of these films or do we want to see more of these films, that is the metric that gets used, right? So that this yeah. one underperformed, I don't think it, it spells the end necessarily of these origin stories because it does seem like, and, and perhaps we can get around to talking about that some more, um, we're going to have at least one more that's in the pipeline right. that, that, that we're likely to see. <clears throat> and, uh, and so we're, we'll, we'll probably see a little bit more experimentation with that. But at least for this first one, it does seem like there's, an indication that oh well this isn't quite as reliable a you know narrative uh, property as we thought do we need to you know course correct do we need to think about how we differently channel this and it might be you know a lot of people have talked about release schedule being a problem that this one came so quick on the heels of Last Jedi yeah you know the the trailer for this premiered what it was this, the Super Bowl was the first little like teaser trailer I think so. yeah so that that was what a month or a month and a half mm-hmm. after Last Jedi. Yeah, it was very I think close. Last Jedi was still in theaters mm-hmm. at that moment. You hadn't created it, any or anticipation. It, or it had just left if it wasn't in yeah. theaters anymore, but so, it probably still was. Yeah, so it's kind of hard to think of, oh, I'm going to get excited about the next Star Wars film so fast, when yeah. I'm still just kind of, oh, I just went and saw that last one. Now we're asking ourselves, when it comes to our limited time to go see films... Do we need a Star Wars every year? It was every three years for the original, 77, 80, and then 83. Yeah, okay. Um, which, which is pretty good spacing. the prequels followed suit, 99, 2002, 2005. Or did know. we canonize Star Wars as the best films from our youth? Absolutely. Right. So let's let's wrap this first beer, though. Yeah. Y'all are just in a hurry to open more beer. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I, I will concede. You are not wrong, ways. yeah. I will concede. But this Doughboy, we kind of talked about how, you know, it's not the hazy IPA that we're used to from Cy Brewing, but, um, but instead their take on this kind of mild, easy-drinking pub ale. What do you guys think? Did they achieve success with this? I think that the only... Uh, the only problem that the listeners have is that they probably can't get their hands on it. I mean, Cy Brewing in Corpus Christi, Texas, they're nowhere near distribution. No, it's a tiny outfit. I mean, they're they're really... But they're making fantastic beer. Of the craft brewing scene, they very, very clearly fit into that tiny little niche category of nano brewery, right? Mm -hmm. Like, they are making small batch beer, Mm -hmm. um, which makes it kind of fun because... Anytime you walk in there, they're going to have something different on tap. Mm-hmm. He's going to have altered the recipe a little bit. He's maybe, I know he has one with mango edition that's mm-hmm. going to be coming out soon. Well, I'm the first time that. that I actually went was because they had announced the release of this raspberry milkshake IPA yeah. that I saw a picture of and I was like, what in God's name is this? That raspberry and then milkshake. The milkshake part really kind of threw me because it's followed by IPA. IPA, that makes sense. And so, you know, what, I mean, sold out in like four, five hours or something like that, you know? Like, I I got to, it was on a Saturday. I had the morning off, so I get to work at like three, open my laptop. Thanks, we sold out faster than next. Like, that's, I mean, how big was that batch of right. beer? Right, yeah, it's you know? probably a half, a half can. Um, so, so but, but that said, I do think that it's it's awesome to see them selling out whenever they have these batch releases that yeah. they're putting out on uh, social media, and I have a feeling like they will grow over time. So maybe, yeah, maybe our listeners who aren't in the coastal bend of uh, Texas here aren't going to be able to get their hands on it, but if you are, I'd say make the trip. Yeah, Garrett's so, Barbecue slash Cyber Cyberers. Yeah. And but uh, I, I will encourage you wherever you live to seek out and support the Cyber of your city. Absolutely. And, your and they're all over the place. Oh, I yeah. mean, any any 
decent sized city that you're in and, and sometimes even some rural mm-hmm. areas, you can find where these little sort of mom and pop shops spring up, go try them out. I mean, they're not all gonna be winners, but Psy definitely is. Yeah. And I, I personally really enjoy this take on yeah. a mild sort of pub ale. It's just very easy drinker. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's like there, there's a little s- slight hint of caramel in there, not not like super sweet or anything, but just enough to kind of make it a little the malty tasty. depth that yeah, yeah, rounds it sure. out. Yeah, the, and certainly not the hop characteristics that we associate with this brewery, given all their interest in the IPAs. But just as drinkable, just as tasty, and actually, it goes really well with the barbecue if you're ever uh, it does. actually in town. So, yeah. all right, so we'll, we'll go ahead and take a quick break here and uh, come back with another beer. I get to lead us in since you cut my ass off. Yeah, all right, <laughs> easily. Welcome back to Beer in a Movie. I'm Joe Hilliard, David Gurney, Carlos Cooper is here as well. And um, we said that when we were going to talk solo this week that it might be fun to just have a second segment without discussing a second fi- new film or a film that relates to Star Wars, but to just to discuss the whole Star Wars universe and what it means to all of us. Indeed. And yeah. that's going to take a special beer. So I went deep into my cellar and I brought uh, back from Jester King. Jester King... If you don't live in the South, you probably haven't had it. And if you haven't had it, next time you're in the distribution zone of Jester King, which is out of Austin, Texas, you definitely want to get by there, especially, it doesn't even matter, but especially if you're a fan of sour beers, because that's their gig, and they do it the best in Texas, certainly, and many people believe them to be the best brewery in Texas. David, I know that you've been there before, and Carlos, I don't think you've ever had a Jester King before. I didn't even know about it until we started doing this podcast. Well, let's open Not this today specifically, but just the podcast in general. Right. So, <laughs> Ooh, there we go. Yeah, we, did, we didn't get that for the last one because no. it was a growler. It was a growler. We got a nice, a nice opening. So what, right. what you guys are going to taste is a far, their base beer is a farmhouse ale. Yep. And then they sour it or shift it or change it with fruit or other things. This is their Bière de Miel, uh, translates honey beer. And it's a farmhouse ale brewed with Texas honey. So you definitely want to, uh, and this is your first time, Carlos, so uh, sip it slow, sip it slow. And here we go into the Star Wars universe. Yeah. Well, I just I want to remark really quickly what a beautiful beer this is. Mm-hmm. This kind of lovely soft yellow um, and, and definitely hazy, right? We were talking about haze earlier. That you don't have to be an IPA to be hazy um, when you're a farmhouse ale unfiltered. Uh, th- this is just, you know, very very um, slightly translucent. You see a little little light coming through there, mm-hmm. but it's just this beautiful yellow, nice head there. And the, the aroma, unlike anything else, I swear I could smell a Jester King beer mm-hmm. and just on smell, I will know the brewery Jester King. I mean, they, they have that house culture, that sort of mixed fermentation that they're going for. Um, that is just, it, it's, it's so unique. It's so their flavor, their smell, all that. Jester King, you would seek it out and try it yeah. one time. As someone who has never experienced anything this brewery has ever done, I will say that the aroma of this beer is unlike anything that I've experienced before. There you before. go, right? Yeah. So, I, yeah, I believe you. That you can smell it uh, <laughs> so, and know where it was from. Unlike anything you've experienced before, Star Wars comes on the scene That's right. in 1977. That's right. And, and I'll say I'm not quite old enough to have experienced that initial, initial wave. Uh, but born in 78, I did have the opportunity to see at least the end of that original trilogy, Return of the Jedi in theaters. And at that point I was indoctrinated. I, I was, you know, fully ensconced in the whole, I mean, it was hard to be a male um, human in the United States in the early 1980s and not be completely surrounded by Star Wars paraphernalia, mm-hmm. right? Whether that be lightsabers or action figures, mm-hmm. bed sheets, yeah, curtains, I mean, Anything. Or, or in my house, all of the above. <laughs> there you go. It was just omnipresent. And so anybody I knew who was even just a little bit older than me who had been to see, say, Empire Strikes Back or the original Star Wars, now we refer to it as A New Hope, any of those films, it was just, um, I mean, I don't know, as, as big a 
of a presence on the pop culture scene as I could imagine there being. I mean, like that, it was really in some ways all encompassing. I don't know, Joe, you, you're, you're oh, a little bit older than I'm me. The I'm the oldest, not gonna yeah. out you here, I was but born in 72, I'll say it out loud. Okay. And I did not see the first Star Wars in theaters, but I uh, was introduced to Star Wars with Star Wars figures. Yeah. And then, of course, this was the time when there was no VHS. So when a movie was gone from the theaters, it was gone from right, the theaters. Right. I, you were not going to see Star Wars again. Uh, and then the Empire. But, but I was a Jawa for Halloween mm -hmm. in 79. Uh, okay. Which is a very easy costume to make, by the way. It's a brown <laughs> robe and two small flashlights. Right. You're a right. Jawa. Uh, but by then, it had already begun to take uh, take over. Mm -hmm. and, and I got to see, even though I didn't know I was seeing anything special at the time, but it's kind of interesting to look back and see the effects of the first uh, merchandise film that really went as wide as merchandise goes. Right. Um, because everyone had Star Wars figures, and you competed with your friends for Star Wars figures, and I got the Millennium Falcon, and you have a land speeder, let's get together on Friday, and then you recreate the entire movie. Yeah. That's what we did we, you know, before cable. Yeah, <laughs> you know? right, right. So uh, Star Wars, as deep, as deep, as deep as it goes yeah. for me. Yeah, no, it. It, and, and you're right. I mean, it, it, was, it was incredible at that point to see, I mean, I was seeing commercials on television for the, for the action figures. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the, the, I mean, I'm pretty sure there was a Star Wars serial of some sort. It's, I mean, it was just really oh, one yeah, of those you things. Named that, it, Star Wars yeah, was on. And, and not having experienced, you know, anything before that, um, I didn't realize, it's only in retrospect that I can sort of appreciate the extent to which that film and that franchise that it became really sort of revolutionized the way that marketing and, and sort of this branding stuff that goes on with films and these very successful franchises, especially ones that have this appeal to younger audiences, the way that that film really, like I say, revolutionized what was going on with that and, and the, you know, all of the different toy lines that came out of it, all of the different uh, paraphernalia. But, that, but because the movies were so good. Yeah. Uh, we, we had never seen anything like this before. Well, we were seeing something for the first time, the mass audience. Right. Well, true to an extent, right? I mean, like the, these were great films of a sort. Um, they were genre films, okay? And they were and unabashedly so, right? I mean, part of what George Lucas, I think, is celebrated for, not just with this, but also with things like Indiana Jones and, and, and some other things that he's worked on, um, really kind of reached back to these experiences that he had had in his youth, mm -hmm. these formative experiences with movie serials like Flash Gordon and, the, and these other things that had this kind of pulpy, they weren't trying to be heady, adult, psychological narratives that were going to sort of pull you in based on character depth and all that. Although I think there is some character depth in the Star Wars universe, but, but at least initially it's more about action, adventure, excitement, um, introducing these kinds of, you know, strange, unusual character, you know, alien mm -hmm. races and, and all this stuff that kind of makes the Star Wars universe as fun and exciting as it is. I guess it had been seen a little before my time in the serialized Star Trek series, the notion yeah. of space travel, but, but cinematically and, and as beautifully as it was, was put on the screen. And, and of course, you have to watch those first movies with the horrible uh, dot matrix effects for different kinds of screens and stuff, and just know that that was just the, the, the time that the film was right. made. But um, other than that, it was technologically incredible. I mean, yeah. you hadn't seen really anything like it because six-year-olds seven-year-olds weren't going to see 2001 A Space Odyssey right. prior to that. So right. call us about you and uh, getting introduced to the original trilogy. I, you had mentioned earlier in the episode you saw the the second garbage, uh, tr trilogy yeah. in the uh, theater. Yeah. Um, so I, I think my first introduction to Star Wars would have been VHS tapes that my uncle brought to my house um, when he was visiting. Um, I don't well, I guess he might have, we might have been living in the same, he might have lived in Corpus at the time. Most of my life he's lived somewhere else. But I think, I think he was still living here. So yeah, yeah. he came over one weekend with, you know, the VHS tapes, showed mm -hmm. them to me. Um, 
I didn't quite understand what was happening uh, that like what I was witnessing. He was just like, yeah, you need to see these movies. And I was like, yeah, that was cool. <laughs> uh, and then I remember being excited for Phantom Menace, went and saw it in a theater, thought that, you know, Jar Jar Binks was hilarious and not annoying and terrible because I was seven. <laughs> and then I also remember by like liking that movie so much um, that I think it was summer um, around just a little bit after the film was released. My family went on va- on a vacation with a couple of other families that my parents were friends with, had kids my age and stuff to New York City. And I remember buying a bootleg uh, Phantom Menace from some guy on the street mm-hmm. and, you know, not knowing anything, being very shocked when it was literally a guy sitting in a theater with a like a handheld <laughs> camcorder watching right, it. And right. I was like, this is bullshit. <laughs> uh, and yeah, I didn't really watch much of it. I was robbed. <laughs> um, but yeah, I remember liking it. I remember uh, my only takeaway from Attack of the Clones, the I think that was what it was called, right? Uh, the second one. Yeah. My only takeaway from that was like, man, you see Yoda fight with that lightsaber? That was badass. Yeah. Uh, and then by the time that the third came out, so that was 2005, uh, I would have been like 13 or 14. Um, and yeah, when I saw that one, I was like, that kind of sucked. Yeah. And then I never really went back and watched those again for, an, you know, I don't know, five years or so. And, but did revisit the originals, um, grew to love those more. But I, I, I remember when I was like 19 marathoning or attempting to marathon the movies that had been released up until that point. And this was before we knew we were getting new, a new trilogy and all that kind of thing. And did not, not getting past Phantom Menace. Mm. After that one, I was like, nope, tapped out. That's I, interesting. I don't think I can keep going through the prequels yeah. like this. But so, I, I mean, you know, it was definitely always a part of my life. And, uh, you know, but I was probably, you know, maybe not more affected. But when I realized that the prequels were terrible... It was it was heartbreaking to me because I I, re, I remember thinking that they weren't bad movies when right, I was a right. kid. Now, you guys had a you know much more enjoyable experience of seeing the originals in your youth and then revisiting them as adults and being like, yeah, these still hold up. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas I, for me, it was like, ooh. Yeah, I, it, it is interesting that, to hear you kind of describe those being your fir- like the first major experience of, of Yeah, because the- I got to see them in a theater. Right, and it, because, you know, again, like seeing the tail end of that first trilogy, and then I, you know, thinking back, it was piecemeal that I probably ended up actually seeing Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back later right. in the 80s right. once they did get home video releases mm-hmm. and or maybe were played on cable or something. And so I feel like I got this kind of piecemeal introduction to it, but was totally surrounded by it, totally wowed by it, and had that, you know, kind of reverence for it. Put that in the, you know, sort of a, a pocket there of childhood, then come into the 90s, and I believe I was in, I was an undergrad when they did the re-releases, you right, know, the, the, the special release. Right, the ones special that had edition, sorry. Been, been touched up been by touched digitization. Up. Digitization, right. right well, okay, in, did you go see those in the theater? I did, and I remember going to see them with some of my roommates at the time mm-hmm. in college, one of whom at least had been a much more hardcore kind of like mm-hmm. one one who got really into the universe and read a lot of the they had those ancillary novels and stuff that they were putting out a lot and of so, novels yeah so he was really keyed up for it and his passion his excitement for it got me i right. think more excited and i remember it was that time through seeing them and they released them in sequence and they did the um the recut or re whatever booted version of the a New Hope and mm-hmm. then Empire. It was seeing Empire that time. I was like, man, this is just a fantastic film. There's right. so much what was going your, on here. What was your crazy friend's reaction to the little additions? And he didn't get. He wasn't somebody who got hung up on that. I yeah. know some people did with I the did. digital effects. I, that, I did. Yeah, it didn't. I it, bought them on VHS because that's how I. I don't want to. I. The, if I'm the gonna earlier, go, if yeah, I'm going to go yeah. back and rewatch them, I don't want a CGI Java. I had a yeah, big yeah. problem, and it was the first time that I said this out loud to myself, and that was the movies are perfect the way that they are. They don't need to be altered. They don't need to be added to. Right. They don't need it. Mm-hmm. In other words, you didn't add anything so spectacular. And I and it was also the first realization I had that I think this was a scam. I think this was just a let me sweeten the notion that you'll come to the theater by not only re-releasing these films, but by 
adding new things that you've never seen before, but then the new things that you've never seen before are not that great. Right. And as I understand it, that was all Lucas is doing, and then Lucas decides to direct a Phantom Menace. He's the yeah. worst, by the way. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, he is the worst, and yet he is the one who conceived of this, mm -hmm. right? I mean, like, I, I think... But they didn't get really good until he stopped writing and directing. Until them. he brought other people in. I'll agree with yeah. that. Like, his, he had vision in a way that I think opened this up. But yes, bringing in these other talents to the um, He's enterprise, an idea, man. yeah, has has really kind of allowed it to take flight in ways that it wouldn't have if it had all been controlled by him the whole time. But getting back to where I was going Sorry. with the no, that's okay. Um, where I was going with your experience, it's so funny to think about how I experienced that new trilogy, The Phantom Menace, mm -hmm. Attack of the Clones, Revenge of the Sith, you said you were kind of burnt out by the end of it because you were starting to become a little more discerning as a viewer, right? Like by the time that Revenge of the Sith came out, uh, which would have been, what, 2005? 2005, yeah. yeah. I think by that point I was starting to understand what bad acting looked That's like. That's interesting because I was actually, I had the experience of Phantom Menace was a total disappointment. Oh, big time. And, and, and such a strong, and it, and it was just kind of like, oh my gosh, like really, like that we, we wait all these years and this is what we're gonna get? What a missed opportunity. And it felt bad. Then Attack of the Clones felt like, okay, there's, Almost no Jar Jar, Jar Jar Binks. That's good. And there's these cool battle scenes, and there's you know like okay, I'm 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 coming around. And then Revenge of the Sith, the acting hadn't improved terribly. Like Hayden Christensen is still a terribly flawed actor. Natalie Portman is some of her worst work she's ever done. It is her worst work she's ever done. The fact that you can write a script so bad right. that you make somebody as talented as Natalie Portman look like a bad actress is but, impressive. But Ewan McGregor doing a great job some great scenes in there. You get to see the formation of Darth Vader as flawed as it is. And the, I know we can all make fun, no, right? I mean, like we, so we've all, yeah. I mean, but when I, he's first being like, when you first see him before he yeah. has the, you know, before we have the misfortune of hearing him speak, right? Just the, you know, dun, 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 mm. dun. You're the, like, the oh, theme, shit. right? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, and then he talks and it gets yeah, bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, but the the showdown, the fight there with, between Anakin and Obi-Wan. I hated mean, it. I See, I enjoyed it. I mean, that to me at that point, maybe it was because the bar had been so lowered by those other films where I was like, okay, finally at least we're seeing something with some dramatic stakes that I can buy into. And yes, okay, there's the still third flaws. Was the, the third was the best of three shitty yes. movies. Okay, there you go. And <laughs> it, it stinks still, the least. I disagree, Still. though. I think it's the worst, and I think it's one of the worst movies ever made. With the third? <laughs> the third, yeah. I think it's the worst Star Wars movie ever made, and I think it's one of the worstest films of all Interesting. time ever made. Yeah, it's truly awful. Yeah, yeah. So, so I'm just trading Darth Vader's emergence with Jar Jar Binks' removal. I mean, it really, for me, <laughs> is, that's why it's the best one. And yeah, like you said, the music, but the... That is just so... It's so... It's getting back to hackneyed... Uh, filmmaking things that we've seen dozens and dozens of times, like right. uh, passing a trinket back and forth to people, or yeah. the no, when right. you realize, I, I hope nothing tragic happens to me, because if, if if the knee-jerk reaction is to go, no, and you can't help yourself because you're so traumatized, <laughs> I'll have, I'll be a hypocrite, because that, that's so stupid. Joe, Joe's gonna disprove the whole thing for him. He's like, "Oh, that that actually was an authentic reaction." Right. Yeah, no, that, I love that was that method movie. acting. Yeah. That was method acting. Yeah. I'm rethinking the that trilogy. <laughs> so, so that gets us, you know, I think back to where you know I was talking about earlier in the in the podcast here, where it, this newer phase, this Disney era of of uh, Star Wars, you know, which which touched off a b back a few years ago now, um, how really. I think to many of us, exciting it's been to see, okay, these films are being approached in ways that are really smart and bring in some great actors, um, doing some pretty great performances. Although, you know, again, not across the board greatness. I, I, I will uh, cop to, uh, as, as I said earlier, I mean, I think Aaron Reich in, in this, uh, we should have a ding there where every time I pronounce his name now. But where we have uh, Aaron Reich coming in and doing, I think by the end of the film, a fairly serviceable job. You know, there's a lot of people who feel like you do, Carlos, about uh, Donald Glover in this film. Although I've seen some positive stuff, uh, you know, in the way that I kind of reacted to it, similar. So, that, But bringing in at least really interesting talent, 
also behind the camera, right? I mean, we didn't really talk about the production history of Solo, but the franchise bringing in these people who have made their names in other ways, right? So it was it was uh, Miller and Lord, right, who were initially on the project, who are the guys who were behind the Lego movie, mm-hmm. I think, right? Um, but but apparently had made a version that the studio was not happy with at all. From what I understand, a lot more kind of goofy and, and zany in some ways. Okay. And then bringing in Ron Howard, uh, a tested and proven a Hollywood... Academy Award winning, if I'm not Academy mistaken. Award winning. So done a space movie or two? Yeah. <laughs> Who, uh, you know, c- came in and kind of had to reshoot yeah. a significant and, and really reimagine a significant portion of the film. Right. Um, but it's interesting to see as it's opened up, right? Gotten away from Lucas as being the controlling creative force into a more open kind well, of... I want to talk about that transition for a while. You've got three original Star Wars movies, mm-hmm. and then you have Silence. Mm-hmm. And in that Silence, a lore grows. Right. And this is before the movies are even available for us to watch at our house. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. uh, you've got the re-release, the, the special releases, special editions. Yeah. And I think those came out every year or two years. Yeah, I don't, I don't think they were spaced that. But it it might have been yearly. No, but we're going to give you a pass. I recognize that's a money grab. And we're going to put them back in the theater. Okay? Forget this crap you've added to them. Then we've got the new, uh, the, the first three. Mm-hmm. And... We're going to give you a Star Wars every two or three years. Now, we're going to, but it's new product. Mm-hmm. Okay. that People were on board with that. They bought it. Mm-hmm. Then we're going to give you a break again, and we're used to that. But now we have a new business model. Mm-hmm. Out of George Lucas's control, we're going to give you the Disney version, mm-hmm. which is a movie a year. Mm-hmm. On time, every year. And I wonder if Solo is Star Wars fatigue or if Solo was miss, uh, a missed opportunity, because mm-hmm. that could have been badass, like we said earlier. But do we need a Star Wars movie every year? Do we want that? Do we want that much Star Wars product? Yeah. I don't know. I don't, I don't, need- I don't know if I do. Well, and I, and I think, you know, as we were talking about a, a little bit before, um, you know, what, what Carlos um, had said about, you know, his reaction to the most recent in that, new trilogy, The Last Jedi, right? That was a controversial film, especially within the Star Wars fan community. It was one that a lot of Star Wars fans, and, and I have, you know, the, you haven't been as active on social media this way, but I have friends who are hardcore Star Wars fans who ever since that film has come out have been posting like how deeply that film sort of angered them and just like they can't believe that it did certain things with certain characters and brought it. I mean, I was not that offended by it. I actually enjoyed the film to a large extent. I, I, I liked it just fine with the exception of a couple of scenes. Yeah. There's some Go, really, cr- really cringy moments. Well, hate, hate on it. Go ahead. What, what is your yeah, problem? Gonna, I mean, I'm, I think that my hate for it has uh, kind of fizzled out into just a dislike of it what the if you had asked me this in january i would i could have talked for hours Uh about it (laughs) but now it's just like it was so cheesy and so corny like the part where leia and laura dern's character Mm -hmm. are both they both go to say may the force be with you at the same time and stop and go oh no you can go first like fucking shut up like that was terrible uh the scene where she like magically flies through Horrible. space just like in a previous episode of your movie if you haven't listened to it go back into uh the episode feed and check it out about avengers but the exact same way that the avengers just totally fumbled a great moment to kill off tony stark and get robert downey jr you know mm-hmm. on with his life and out of the mcu they totally missed an opportunity to kill off princess leia in like a dignified mm-hmm. sensical way one, one that wasn't I mean, because that scene is just, that one scene, if everything else was perfect, that one scene is so bad, it would have ruined the whole thing. Mm-hmm. But everything else wasn't perfect, it was still bad. Right. Uh, There's a major plot issue with the whole uh, reason reason for the movie to exist to begin. I, mean, I, yeah, g- I get so all many, of that. There's so many problems. There, I mean, there is, and I mean, 
you could fill an entire Wikipedia page of just the problems of right. the Last Jedi, not even talking about any of the production or the cast or the you know anything like that. Just here are the things about this movie that suck. Here's an entire Wikipedia article about it. Right. But yeah, I mean, huge plot holes, lots of the lots of just unnecessary shit that doesn't really that you can easily be like, well, if they would have just done this. Yeah, it's yeah. interesting. I, I the really, characters' decisions don't make a lot of sense most of the time. And, yeah, you know, then yeah. all of the part that really fucked me up, and I'm sorry that I'm swearing so much about <laughs> it. Uh, I know that we try we're, not we're to. Definitely but in January, it would have been horrible. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Was like all of a sudden, like, <laughs> um, why am I blanking on his name? Um, Luke? No, uh, John Boyega's character. Oh, Finn. 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 Yeah when Finn and Rose are all of a sudden in love, like what the hell <laughs> came out of nowhere. There was no development of that relationship or why she should feel so strongly about him other than that they've gone through some stuff together in the last right. like 24 hours or whatever it was. And uh, yeah, it was just, yeah. the only, the saving grace of that movie was watching. God, now I hate this movie. <laughs> it's a terrible movie. The saving grace of that movie was watching Ray and Kylo Ren fight side by side and it's only, Almost only because the staging of that scene was just so spectacular, yeah. and the like. There are a lot of good visual elements of yeah. it, but um, but even in that scene, there's definitely several moments where it's like, wait, wasn't that guy holding two knives a second ago? But now he's only got one because he could have easily killed her if he, yeah. he still they hadn't CGI out the second one. Uh -huh. um, and, and it, you know, stuff like that, that if you were going to watch it again, you're going to notice, like, mm, I don't know about that. And then, like, oh, Snoke is so powerful, yet he didn't know that this was about to happen, mm -hmm. but also controlled them the whole time. Like, what do you... Uh, yeah. Luke milking that thing. Oh, uh, God. Yeah, See, I... Mean, I for Christ's sake. I, lo I loved, I loved the, that. The Porgs, I, get, get the... I mean, they're cute, but get them out of here. That was oh, ridiculous. Oh, I don't know. The, the Porgs, I was okay with. I don't know. Yeah, you know, I think... Yeah, welcome to Star Wars these days. You gotta have that lovable character that translates to the ladies, to the little girls out there. We gotta sell something to everybody. And that's yeah. my problem with the whole franchise. Yeah. I don't know. I, yeah, I, I guess... pumping out I think I have different expectations product. for... For Star Wars and and in general, kind of like the uh, the family genre fair that that this kind of fits into, which I would lump Marvel Cinematic Universe oh, stuff yeah. into as well. It's mm -hmm. like I'm not really looking for like deep character consistency and this. Like I'm looking for fun, rollicking set pieces. See, you should, like you should be some, looking for character consistency. Some that is bare minimum uh, expectation. Some witty repartee. I'm like, I don't, no, I mean, I want there to be a minimum of, of character consistency. I want to feel like I know who these these characters are to some extent. But I don't know. It, it doesn't bother me when like a romantic relationship evolves in a way that I'm not fully aware of until it, you know, like okay, whatever. They're they're. They're man, woman. Okay, they're attracted. I don't know. Would they, let them let them go. Or at a it. man and robot. As or we man saw and robot. Solo, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that was an interesting one. I wasn't uh, anticipating I, uh, that. L three seemed to be a divisive character in that movie. Yeah. Based on the group, I, it was like me and five other people that went and saw it uh -huh. together. And so, based on that small sample audience, very divisive as far interesting. as like. Uh, I thought L three was great. I liked yeah. that character. My friend Jordan was like, oh my God, are you kidding? <laughs> and just like, you know, a whole 10 minute speech about how yeah. terrible that was, but. Well, let's uh, talk about the future of Star Wars then, because I, we could talk all Yeah, time. sure. I mean, there's so much coming up. I mean, it, it's it's incredible. I mean, it, at least right now on the docket, I mean, things could shift because obviously when box office performance starts slipping, maybe studio uh, imperatives start, start changing, but. Um, you know, right now they're slated to. Obviously, I think what we'll definitely see is the the capstone of the new trilogy. There's going to be Episode Nine, two thousand nineteen. Yeah, yeah, right. So next year we're going to see that, which will give us a good, healthy eighteen months of no Star Wars films. Yeah, I have a feeling that has a fighting chance to come back oh, to well. being. Uh, people are people are digging Carlos, notwithstanding uh, this new <laughs> this last this last trilogy. People people are digging the content. The folks that seem to be getting super upset about it have a fandom level that I no longer have. Right. So and I that's, guess that's not what I'm a saying. fight yeah. that I care about. Yeah. Snoke what? Okay. Yeah. Like, you know, and I don't know if you look at the sales of books and the sale, well, the game, the video games, of yeah. course, and those are very, very popular. But I mean, right. just if, because you've read every bit of Star Wars universe, I don't know if the filmmakers are beholden to you and keeping the universe 
on tangent with all of these other projects. Right. Because I have never read a Star Wars book and I've never played a video game outside of the awesome one back in the late 80s. Yeah. You know which one I'm talking about, too. I played the Pod Racer game a lot. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> right. I've heard good things about it. I've never so, the that. only canon I care about is the canon that I've seen up on the screen. Right, right. That's, it's the only one that I care about. So so we're going to close out this new trilogy. Yeah. We're going to see most likely at least one more of these standalone character backstory ones. It seems Boba like Fett. Boba Fett is yeah. the one that's been developed the most so far. Big surprise, it, the most popular character. Well, no, but it's interesting because that one I think, you know, we were talking about earlier that Han Solo was legit the most popular character of the, the earlier trilogy for very good reasons as we were talking about. So taking a character like that that we know so well and expanding it, there's danger in there. And I think we saw at least some people feeling like that danger was was uh, sort of uh, not met very well. Like they, they did make some pitfalls, you know, they hit some of the pitfalls. However, with Boba Fett, it's more a character that's been popular in sort of fan lore mm -hmm. and didn't have a ton of screen time mm -hmm. in the original trilogy. 50 seconds, something right, like that. Right. Yeah, not a lot. And then so, of course, be... so it'll be interesting to see with something where it's really, I feel like, much more of a blank slate. It's kind of like they yeah. can do what they want with that character in ways that I don't think they could with Han Solo. Like there was stuff that they just had to do with Han Solo that necessitated the film worked a certain way. This one, they should have a lot more freedom, but it'll be interesting to see how that goes. And then it sounds like at least in form, well, I don't know how formal it is, but um, Ryan Johnson, who who it sounds like Carlos would, would rather just see leave the, the franchise altogether, is being granted a trilogy, a trilogy that yeah. he's going to have creative oversight over. Yeah. Which is completely separate from everything we right, know. Right, that won't... And, and it's not a part of the Skywalker song. Right, so get, getting us further away from the Skywalkers. Now, yeah. I, I will say just about everything else Ryan Johnson has done has been fantastic, so I was very surprised. Because right. I went into Last Jedi thinking, oh, the guy that did Brick? Yeah. The guy that did Looper? Oh, yeah. hell yeah. Yeah. That's, this is going to be fantastic. And then I saw it and I was like, what the... And right. So go make go make original stuff again. That's you. You're, you seem to be very good at that. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't pay as well. <laughs> no, it probably doesn't. Do 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 one for them and one for you. Yeah, I want right. I, I want one for him now. You know, I yeah. don't want another three Star Wars anyway. So I I mean I I guess where I fall in this is that I'm still excited to see what happens with the Star Wars universe as it goes forward. I I think like Joe was saying earlier. I'm not invested in the way that I might have been when I was a little bit younger, and I think I got hung up a little bit more on on some of those little sort of um, character details and consistency and whatnot. I think at this point, I'm looking for films, when I'm seeing a film like a Star Wars, that are going to make me forget the cares of the world outside, enjoy some of what's going on. I want to see a little bit of progress, right? I love seeing more female characters with more agency. Not that the franchise has ever been totally separate from that. Leia was obviously a strong and powerful character from very early on. Some of the Ewoks were female. Yeah, right. <laughs> and But I mean, like, you know, Rey has been a great addition mm -hmm. to the universe. I thought Kira was a really interesting character in this solo film. I think it, L3 in some ways was a really... So I think that... I love seeing that they're bringing some of that in, and that to me is enough to keep me hooked and interested, and I'm gonna go see these films. They're fun, I like the universe it takes place in. Carlos, are you, I mean, you're, you're the gonna, one who is most on the fence here. No, I'm in. gonna go see the rest of them. I mean, it's just, the, you know, you have to stay culturally relevant, and you know, I, I can't bear to not see it, and then everyone come into my store and be like, oh, so did you see that new Star Wars movie? <laughs> and I, me just be like, no. I mean, I, there's already enough you know, negative stereotypes around the crabby and pretentious record store clerk that I don't need to <laughs> add on to it and be like, oh, you mean those big blockbuster films? When, when are we going to have our see high... indie movies? I watch Star Wars, but I watch them in French. <laughs> there we go. When, when are we going to have our high <laughs> fidelity episode? <laughs> I mean, I'm ready. I, we can talk about that for quite some time. Yeah. So we kind of know how the existing Star Wars movies have made us feel, how we feel about you know, the ones coming up, but what I want to know is how did this beer make you feel? Well, I was going to go to David first. He is the uh, Sith Lord of sour beers with you, of course, Carlos, having never had a Jester King before, the Padawan. So if you could, David, <laughs> teach us. What, what, what did you think? You've good. had Jester King. I know you're a, I think you're a sour fan. I, I, I like a good sour. 
Um, and, but, but to me, Jester King is in another universe altogether. I mean, I, I love a good sort of easy sip and gosa or Berliner Weiss in the summertime, like a lot of beer drinkers might. Um, but these, this goes beyond that. I mean, there's just such depth of flavor in Jester King beers because of their mixed culture. I mean, I, as I was sipping on this, I'm, you know, you get the honey. I mean, you taste those honey notes in there. It's not like sweet and cloying honey. It's kind of that, you know, the, the, the accompanying flavors that you get, the sort of floral notes that you would get with honey, but also like a lemon sort of quality and just this really got, there's a funkiness there, right? Because part, partly with these farmhouse sales, right? They bring in some, uh, some Brett and some other sort of, um, microorganisms that kind of work on this yeah that are just you know it's a it's a drinking experience unlike any that you're going to have if you stick with the typical what you can get on store shelves Mm -hmm. even within the craft beer realm Mm -hmm. i would say to this day call us what do you think your your first time yeah he popped his chair go ahead (laughs) oh that was that was good fellas um it's good i i enjoy it and you know um at some point, I'm going to have to stop saying this because I said it when we had the sequench ale, oh, yeah, um, yeah. but not typically a sour guy. Um, I think since I had that one, I don't know if I've had another sour since then. Um, mm-hmm. But it's good. I Yeah, it is It is a really refreshing summertime beer. Yeah. Um, so not having as much experience with this particular kind of beer as you do, I can't attest to Jester King being in, you know, a whole nother universe or realm of uh, sour beer uh, brewers, but um, I would definitely recommend and definitely get it again and yeah. probably will be making a trek to uh, to Jester King next time. I'm in Austin. Oh, that's yeah. You should do that no matter what. They just have a beautiful facility and they take their beer very seriously. Okay, I think that uh, it's time for us to come back to this galaxy now. Yeah. Yes. So, beer in a movie podcast, another episode in the books here. Um, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter. We hope you will. Instagram, if I'm not mistaken. That's right. right. Uh, beer in a movie podcast. You just search that in any of those uh, fine platforms, and you should be able to find us. We also have our own website. Beer in a movie podcast.com. Yes. Out. And depending on where you're listening to this, if you are listening in on the Apple Podcast app, that is a great place for you to go and rate the podcast, uh, review it, let us know what you think, um, if you love it or hate it, or something that we should do differently. Sure. Um, and if you have uh, movie and beer pairing suggestions, uh, we're super open to that. Um, let us know what you thought about Solo, tweet at us, uh, and subscribe to the podcast so you can uh, stay up to date on when new episodes are, are dropping. Absolutely. Well, until next time. It's been fun. May the force be with you. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> you gotta do it.